Let's get together, talk about the movies that we saw this week. We'll have discussions, talk film news, we'll laugh a lot and act like geeks. Sometimes we'll have a guest or two, sometimes it's just the two of us. Let's crack some jokes and tell some folks to come along and hang with us! Mike and Mike go to the movies. Mike and Mike go to the movies. Yeah! You have chosen wisely. It's an old story with this podcast. We were born out of time. It's Mike and Mike going to the movies. I'm Mike Smith, and joining me is a man who knows that what is best in life is to crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentations of their women. Mike DeCrescio. How do you do, Mike? I'm doing great. I'm no longer tied to the tree of woe, or whatever it is that he's tied to in the beginning of Conan, I forget. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm good. I'm good. It's um, back in the real world. Last last episode, I was we were sitting on the floor in your living room, living the yes. dream. Yeah, having recovered after a, a long several days of the Camp Horror Film Festival at the Roxy Theater, the Any Theater Near My House in Missoula, Montana. Correct. Uh, and now I've been back to work once, and that's sad. So uh, <laughs> yeah. happy Labor Day, I guess, also to everyone. But yeah, I'm good. How are, how are you, Mike? Doing good. Doing good. Yeah, had to kind of get back into it uh, once you left as well. But, you know, that's that's fine. <laughs> I, you know, I uh, yeah, was working at the Roxy and uh, doing a few things here and there. Actually ended up uh, just going to a bunch more movies over the last few weeks, uh, or over the last week. Uh, so that worked out pretty good. That's good. Nice. Love, yes. love, love seeing movies. Yes, absolutely. I guess I should I, I should throw out the other big update in my life, which I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, but I forgot until just now, or right right before we started the podcast, I mean, which is that uh, we got a dog. Nice. <laughs> yes. What's the, what's yeah. the, what, what kind of dog? What's the name? Tell, tell, give us the deets. You want to know the dog's name, Mike? Well, uh, we named the dog Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> You know, there's nothing I would expect less or more than that. I don't know what kind of <laughs> phrase to use, but I that makes sense. I I got the rights to name the dog, and uh, that was literally like it's the main reason is so that I could do my Sean Connery thing and say we named the dog Indiana. Perfect. <laughs> How much does your girlfriend love that every time you say it? I think she loves it a little bit less every single time. <laughs> But she loves the dog, so it all evens out. That's um, good. But uh, yeah, we got a dog this week, uh, a Dachshund Pomeranian mix. Uh, she's very small. Her name is Indiana, uh, and she will always be incredibly small. She is smaller than our cat right now. The cat, not a big fan of the dog, but I think has grown to tolerate her over the course of the last few days. That's good. That's good. I'm sure they'll have a, uh, a budding friendship. It'll be it'll be so, so sweet. Uh, or it could be like the movie Cats and Dogs, which we talked about on uh, the Jeff Goldblum podcast. That's true. You're very right. <laughs> In which case, uh, get ready because I guess the, or, or the cats were the villains of the cats and dogs in the, in the cats and dogs universe. <laughs> the dogs are underground, super secret spies and the cats are villains who are trying to take down dogs. Yeah. Right. Jeff Goldblum's in the mix for some reason. He's a wacky inventor who is trying to uh, cure dog allergies. I think you're correct. Yeah. I believe that's what he's doing. <laughs> Yeah, somebody gets kidnapped, and I forget what the really good joke they have in about about being kidnapped. It's like it's probably the Russians or whatever. Uh, but anyway, uh, cats and dogs. Let's you know what? Forget it. Let's talk about cats and dogs for an hour. Cats and dogs living together, mass hysteria. Uh, this is actually a cats and dogs two: The Revenge of Kitty Galore podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, today we are just doing some discussions, catching up on some of the stuff that Mike and I have been watching over the last couple of weeks. Uh, which there will be some overlap here because we watched some stuff together when Mike was in Missoula. Yeah, that's right. At least two things, I think. Yeah, at least two things, possibly more. Who knows? Uh, we should because we talked about it right before we started doing this podcast, but 
Oh, you know, surprises could be in the mix, right? That's right. We're flying by the seat of our pants here. <laughs> Anything is possible. So, uh, yeah, we're getting into some discussions today. But first, got to tell you that all the theme songs that you're going to hear this episode uh, were created by Kyle Cullen, who you can reach for your own theme songs at kylespodcastthemes at gmail.com. Our logo was designed by Mac V, whose art you can find at Fearless Guard on Twitter. And if you ever want to contact us and respond to someone who did in the show, uh, you can tweet at us at Mike and Mike Pod. And now let's get into some discussions. Watch this. These are my discussions. Just when I thought I said all I could say, my buddy and I talk about movies we see. These are my discussions. There is so much to see, you and me. So we're gonna talk about movies for our discussions. All right, it's time for some discussions here on Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. And uh, Mike D, what do you have to discuss with us today? So I guess I'll start with uh, the TV show that you kidnapped me and made me watch uh, while I was on your couch. <laughs> and that is uh, Mythic Quest on uh, Apple TV Plus. What's the name that's of that correct. streaming service? Oh, Apple that's, TV Plus. That's Apple correct. TV Plus. Um, yeah. And I had heard about this show when it came out because, you know, it's about video game company making this the biggest MMO in the world, all this stuff and the, the wacky shenanigans that happened there. And um I don't know. It seemed like it, I remember hearing about it and being like, I bet this will be bad. Uh, you know, just like a thing that people probably don't know about or, you know, assuming the people making it don't know about it and they're just going to c- cash in on like making fun of nerds or whatever. And then it, I remember hearing that it's like actually incredible and very good. And you've told me that before. Yeah, and, I, uh, I definitely talked about it when I watched it on this podcast, which I caught up with the first season right before the second season came out, I think. OK, yeah, yeah. I definitely remember you talking about it. And uh, it's been on the you telling me to watch it list for a long time, which is why we made <laughs> the, the podcast segment uh, yep. to do that. And yeah, I was, I was in your living room and you were just kind of like, I'm in control of the TV now. Click and, <laughs> and put it on. <laughs> and man, Mythic Quest, what a fucking, what a picture. What a, what a, what a show, what, you know? Uh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And it's uh, ironically clearly made by people that deeply love video games, um, <laughs> which makes it, I think, feel really genuine and, and fun. And uh, all the performances are great. Uh, the insane ego and, and uh, I forget his name from Always Sunny. Uh, oh, uh, Rob McElhaney. Rob McElhaney, yes. It uh, just straight up looks like Jack Dorsey from Twitter. Uh, he's just per- playing that persona, basically. And yeah, deeply emotional at times also, and and very good. Um, while I was there, we watched the first season, point one or whatever, like, the, like that bonus episode they made. Yep. Um, and I came back and I was like, yeah, okay, I could start season two, or I can make my friends in the Discord watch this with me also, because I think they'd love that. Nice. And uh, yeah, so I haven't gotten to season two yet because I made all of them watch it with me so i rewatched season one all the way through uh and we got caught up to where i watched it with you uh, okay but we're, we haven't had time to like sit down all together and watch start season two yet so i haven't gotten any further than when we watched it together mike but uh man real good i'm real glad you made me watch it yeah terrific terrific show i'm glad you uh, liked it as much as you did and yeah i, I think uh, it like watching it again i was kind of struck by just how how strong it is right off the bat and uh, how good the ensemble is together i mean you have rob mclehaney in the kind of lead role as a uh, ian grim the guy who's running the whole like the creator of the mmo yeah um but uh and i'm i'm blanking on the actress's name but uh, the actress who plays poppy in the show is just so incredible and uh, so much fun i think her arc is really great uh danny pudi is uh in the show and you know obviously who played abed from community and playing such a different character than abed uh and just like diving into how malicious and evil this guy is yeah uh, and it's so much fun to watch him uh david hornsby from it's always sunny he plays cricket on that show he's in this and uh all that stuff and there's just so many good people oh uh, ashley birch also is yeah. in this uh who uh, video game fans know from like horizon she plays aloy in horizon right yeah yeah uh, 
Yeah, and, and we noticed in that that like bonus episode, she's got an Aloy statuette behind her. Does uh, she? Yeah, in the back of her little frame there, which is nice. pretty funny. Nice, absolutely. But yeah, the ensemble's so good, and uh, you know the show really takes some surprising turns. I think there's an episode about halfway through the season that really like you're watching it, and it, you. Get, I, I find myself. I found myself when I first watched it getting really invested in it immediately, but also questioning like, what is this? Like, yeah, what, yeah. <laughs> like, what what does this have to do with the rest of the show, other than also being about video games? And then it kind of reveals itself towards the end of the episode, and then towards the end of the season, it kind of all comes together, and it's just so it's so good. Yeah, it's 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 pretty crazy the way that they do that. Where I think it was episode five or whatever is that a flashback episode? Yeah. And my friends and I, while we were watching it, just spent the whole rest of the season being like, what the fuck? What is that have to do with any like every episode be like when does that come back when does that come and then it finally does uh and everyone's like yeah like cheering and uh it was very fun um and it's i like i haven't watched the the soccer show that's on apple that i can't think of the name of <laughs> ted, right lasso. Now. ted lasso one of the biggest shows on tv right now it's yes. that soccer show that's on apple that's soccer show but it's such a weird like between these two shows on apple to make it just like nice guy shows um even though nobody's really nice in in mythic quest but i think but, by the 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 quest, the everyone's like everyone's like actively antagonistic towards each other at all times in the show all the time but i think by the <laughs> end of the season it really pulls together into like a really emotional like strong emotional core yeah. uh, of the show that i'm excited to see in season two or like where that goes but just having it having shows be like about friendships and like deep deep bonds uh and what yes. that, you know uh even though everybody hates each other for most of the season uh i think by the end they don't although they do i guess in the post credits thing <laughs> um <laughs> But anyway, yeah, good quest. Good, yes. good, good shit. I think that's a little bit of the community influence too. Because yeah. I mean, the, crea- the creators of this show are Rob McElhaney, Charlie Day, and Megan Gans. Uh, McElhaney and Charlie Day, of course, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, Megan Gans uh, was a writer on Community, and uh, you know, also wrote for It's Always Sunny for a while too. I think may still be writing for It's Always Sunny because that show will never go off the air. God, yeah. Um, <laughs> and the thing is, it's still a good show. I, like, I'm, just, I'm still <laughs> watching It's Always Sunny, and it's still very good. But yeah, Megan Gans was a, a writer on Community during kind of its glory years, like seasons two and three, that kind of thing, and. Uh, Community is also a show that trafficked in irony while also being an incredibly sincere and emotional show at times. Yeah. And, you know, kind of blending the two together in a way that almost feels like it shouldn't work, but it does. And I think Mythic Quest uh, kind of strikes that balance super well as well. Yeah, and it's definitely really funny too, like you mentioned with uh, Danny Pudi, just like cranking the sociopath scale the other way <laughs> and just like using his powers for evil instead of yes. good. Uh, it's very funny to watch the, him in that performance. And F. Murray Abraham, like, oh my God. Oh my God, unbelievable in this show. <laughs> I can't believe he's on this show. Uh, it's so weird. <laughs> and it's amazing. There's a incredible visual gag that we di- I didn't notice when we watched it, Mike, but uh, I think it's in the episode where uh, Dana, the streamer, like takes over half of his office. Um, and there's you're in spend a lot of that episode in in uh, his office, and there's a very clear like porn poster in the background, but the door is open and the window is frosted on the door, so it's basically pixelating the poster behind it, and it's fucking <laughs> hilarious. Uh, just that little that little touch that like this adult you know this drunk guy that was famous in the seventies uh, just like can't move on and he's always problematic and stuff would have a porn poster and then the right. show just just censors it basically with the frosted window is very funny. <laughs> That's very good. Yeah, I also wanted to give a shout out to one of my favorite bits in the show, which is a. Uh, I mean, I think the show finds ways to like skewer the industry of video games in like really funny, interesting ways. But I think one of my favorites is uh, I think it's like episode seven or eight. Uh, Brad, Danny Pudi's character, 
um, is like the monetization guy. He's the guy yeah. who like figures out ways to charge people for like microtransactions and things like that. And at one point, he like creates this sword that is worth like two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Like somebody has to spend that amount of money to get this sword in the game. And he's like, "Well, I'm just putting that up there's like a reach goal. Nobody's ever gonna buy that." And within seconds, like somebody buys it, yeah. and he like has an existential crisis over it. Like I just sold somebody air for the price of a goddamn house. <laughs> <laughs> It's so good. <laughs> it's it's incredible. So uh, yeah, Mythic Quest, Raven's Banquet is technically like the full subtitle or, or whatever. But Mythic Quest, it's on Apple TV Plus, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm glad I made you watch it, and I'm glad you took to it and brought and brought your friends into the fold as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like kind of supremely our shit. It's very I can't believe I never watched this. Basically, yes, absolutely. Uh, all right, so that's Mythic Quest and Apple TV, uh, and I have actually one that's on Apple TV also, so I might as well just throw this one in there too. But uh, I mentioned the show a few weeks ago. Uh, when I first started watching it, and now I finished the first season. I believe season three just finished on the, sh- on, the on Apple. Uh, but I'm talking about For All Mankind here, which For All Mankind, I've now finished season one. Like I said, there's three seasons so far, so I still have a lot to go. But man, this show is incredible. Mike. Nice. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, created by Ronald Moore, who's creator of Battlestar Galactica. This show, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, depicts an alternate history in which the Russians landed on the moon before the U.S. did, and that escalates the space race. Uh, and so basically a kind of like history kind of spirals out from there. And so it's a world that is similar to ours uh, mm-hmm. in 1969 through the seventies. The first season takes place over the course of the first few years of the seventies. And it's similar to ours, but obviously uh you know, there's there was no Apollo 23, you know, mission in, yeah. in the real world, right? There was no Apollo 24. Like they just keep doing more missions, amazing, <laughs> and sending people out to space. And eventually, there's like a, a base on the moon that astronauts like hang out at for a long time. And uh, the first season, I think, is just so so powerful and good and uh, inventive and just like uh, in terms of exploring like what this alternate history could be. But it does such a great job of uh, also getting you deeply invested in certain characters. And I think that's an interesting. thing. Thing because this show, the way it's structured, uh, is going to be jumping ahead like 10 years every season. And so by necessity, like you're going to be losing characters right. per, every every season. Uh, so for me to get as invested in some of these characters I did in season one, knowing that they're probably not going to be there for the entire run of the show is kind of an interesting thing. So I just started season two, uh, which kicks off in 1983, which is like nine years after the uh, first season ends uh, and already there's so many like, different character shifts and changes and characters that aren't going to come back and all that kind of stuff. So uh, yeah, I am really enjoying for all mankind uh, and uh, high recommend to people check it out. That's fascinating. And yeah, to be able to track ca- potentially characters that's are around for decades uh, in the show. That's, that's really cool. Yes. Also Joel Kinnaman is one of the main guys in it and uh, he's, nice. tri- he's terrific in it. Rick flag himself uh, from suicide squad. <laughs> Look know? at him go. <laughs> uh, exactly. Yeah. He's very good. And there's a couple other people that pop up in this, but yeah, for all mankind, season one I've watched, uh, and season three I've I think just finished like a week or two ago. Uh, so I'll be catching up on that over the next few weeks. And then also wanted to mention, since we're on TV now, I'll just talk about the TV stuff first. Yeah, why not? But uh, I mentioned this show a couple weeks ago too, and when I mentioned it that time, I had only seen the first episode because it had just aired, and I was like, well, yeah, it's okay. I was kind of ambivalent about it, and now I'm like, I'm kind of all in on House of the Dragon. That which, hot D. Yeah, the hot D. <laughs> How how unfortunate for the show that its acronym is Hot D. 
Or <laughs> fortunate. Know? The internet's very horny. That's also true. Um, but yeah, House of the Dragon is the Game of Thrones spinoff, uh, which is airing on HBO and on HBO Max right now. And uh, three episodes have aired now. So it's only been like two weeks since I last talked about the show. Um, but when I saw the first episode, I was like, there was there were sequences in it that I thought were pretty good. And then I was, but, I, but there were sequences in it that I thought were pretty good. But I was also like, ah, well, you know, it's it's fine. It's whatever. It's kind of just like more Game of Thrones. Some of it felt a little clunky, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then episode two, I kind of like locked in. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm pretty into like this stuff. I, I based on the first episode, I thought this show is just going to be like throwing like a lot of lore at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I don't really want to be like talked at with lore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's not really my thing. But episode two got me more invested in the characters that I'm supposed to be invested in. Uh, and I'm actually surprised by how quickly this show is jumping through time. Like there's like months or years that have passed between these first three episodes. Whoa. Uh, which is kind of surprising. And yeah, everybody in the show, like Patty Considine is unbelievable in the show. Yes. He's he's terrific. Uh, he plays the king of the realm. He plays like the king Targaryen guy, uh, Viserys, I believe. And, you know, his daughter, Rhaenyra, is like kind of named his new heir because he has no sons and all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of like the basis of the first episode. But then after that, things start to spiral because obviously there can't be a girl as the heir of the throne and yeah. all, all that kind of stuff. It's Game of Thrones things, you know. And yeah, I, I think if you like Game of Thrones, I, I think it's well worth checking out. I think it's a really strong show. Like it looks like Game of Thrones with the same production value. So it looks awesome. And they, they even kept the same theme music. So it's just like nice. <laughs> so it's like, hey, if you liked Game of Thrones, it, it kind of reminds me of why I liked Game of Thrones in the first place. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because, you know, with Game of Thrones, I think especially when you get to the last couple of seasons, it really starts to speed things up. Right. It starts to like jump through and go through like, oh, here's all the big action set pieces just over and over and all that kind of stuff. And I liked a lot of that stuff in those last couple of seasons. That's like, I feel like a hot take at this point. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think it's, you know, I, I think that final season of Game of Thrones is is fairly weak, but uh, everything up to that, I was pretty into it. But this kind of reminds me of the first few seasons of Game of Thrones, but with the budget of the last few seasons of Game of Thrones. Got it. And Best of both worlds. Yeah, that's it's pretty good. So uh, yeah, <laughs> House of the Dragon, Patty Considine, Matt Smith is killing it. Uh, yeah, it's good stuff. And Rice of Fans. Rice of Fans is in this too. Um, so yeah, House of the Dragon. I recommend you check it out, Mike. I think you'd like it. Okay, yeah. I mean, I probably would. And yeah, I guess now it's a little stronger reaction from people. So maybe it'll be worth me checking it out. Because like I talked about last time, I was not not particularly interested or anything. I just want Patty Considine to like succeed um and it seems like he is so that's cool uh (laughs) so maybe i'll go back and maybe i'll check it out now yeah i was also like thinking about checking out the lord of the rings show that just came out uh, the rings of power and then i was like you know i i think i only have room in my life for one fantasy prequel set hundreds of years before the events of the thing i cared about (laughs) yeah in my life at this moment uh so maybe when house of the dragons over i'll catch up on on rings of power maybe i'll catch up with rings of power anyway i don't know we'll see i'm less invested in lord of the rings than i am game of thrones in the first place Mm -hmm. um yeah, I like Lord of the Rings, but I've never been like the big, a huge Lord of the Rings guy. So I don't know. Are, are you going to be checking out Rings of Power, you think, Mike? Maybe. Yeah, pro- I mean, probably. Uh, maybe when it ends, like when the first season's over kind of thing. Yeah, kind of um, kind of gauge how people reacted to it and see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, same thing, same deal for that. Like, I'm not super interested in it, but I want Morford Clark to blow up. So that's the thing. Yeah. You know? She's incredible in St. Maud. Incredible. Yeah. And she and plays I've, Galadriel, which is cool. Yeah. And I've heard she's amazing in this. Like, yeah. I heard she's her character. Like, she's very good. Uh, so that's cool. So maybe I'll show some support and check it out, you know? Nice. Absolutely. So yeah. It's House of the Dragon and HBO Max. And then also 
since we're on the TV stuff, quick shout out to uh, The Dropout, uh, which, uh, you know, I, you, I hijacked the TV to make you watch Mythic Quest, but you hijacked the TV uh, to make me watch. You made me download Dropout, the College Humor streaming service, which we talked about last week. Yeah. And since you've been gone, I've been watching some of those shows. Just it, it's a good like, hey, if I have a half hour to kill, I can right. just put but like don't want to like, you know, get invested in something. I can just put on one of these shows and kind of enjoy it. And yeah, I've really been enjoying Game Changer. I think it's my favorite one where it's a different game every single episode. Uh, the episode recently that I just watched uh, with the cast of uh, Off Book, the improvised podcast, uh, yes. it was unbelievable, so good, and they're getting their own show now on Dropout, which is cool. I've also been watching a lot of Um Actually, the game show where uh, they kind of have nerds correcting people about different nerd culture topics and stuff, uh, and that's fun. Uh, so yeah, I've been watching those and uh, having a good time. Yeah, yeah. Play It By Ear, which is the, you know, Off Book show that they're getting uh, yeah. on Dropout, is just had like a September 2022 release date and like it's september 22 drop out give me the show like give me the show um uh so yeah there's no date for it yet at least Uh, okay so i'm very excited for whatever that surprise drops um and yeah i'm glad i'm glad you're enjoying it because it's just as improv comedians doing improv comedy stuff and that's a blast a few a few of them i was already familiar with like through comedy bang bang and stuff like that and so that's pretty cool to see them kind of in a visual form instead of an yeah. audio form. Uh, but yeah, other people that I'm kind of getting introduced to and uh, yeah, really enjoying that one. So uh, yeah, digging that. Nice. Uh, all right, Mike, what else you been watching? Um, yeah, so this one is also, uh, the I think, the last movie we watched together while I was in Missoula, and that is uh, John Carpenter's Assault on Precinct 13. Okay. Yeah, and this was just one that I've never gotten around to in, in the Carpenter oeuvre. Um, I haven't seen, I guess, all, of the, you know, there's a bunch that I'm still missing. Um but yeah, it was, it's very cool to see, you know, non-horror Carpenter. Like, you know, that was never really his, his goal was to be the horror guy. Uh, yeah, just, he, he never wanted, he never wanted to be a horror guy. He made Halloween and then got kind of like thrown into the horror. Yeah. <laughs> just got stuck. And yeah, this is just like a down and dirty, the uh, action movie, basically. Um, I forget, I forget what movie it's just doing at a police station uh so oh, rio bravo yes rio bravo yeah um and yeah i mean it's the plot uh, guys uh, closing down a or a cop is like stuck babysitting a closing precinct uh so there's nobody there there's no supplies there there's nothing like that and uh some guy crosses the a gang and accidentally leads them to the precincts and then just a siege happens uh yep. that's a, a, the titular assault on precinct 13 and yeah it's gnarly it's fun it's exciting. It's cool. Uh, it's got a dope Carpenter score. So that was a lot of fun. And this is, I think, a good way to like kind of close out a horror filled weekend with just like an old school action movie, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I, I like, obviously I watched this with you and uh, I, I had seen it before. I own the Blu-ray, but it had been years since I watched it, probably like uh, since I got the Blu-ray, which is like five or six years ago. And so I watched it then and loved it. I mean, I was so into it. And I, I think for a long time, I've said it's my favorite John Carpenter movie. Nice. Uh, now rewatching it, I'm not sure necessarily that I would say that, but like, uh, maybe like it's it's a fucking great movie man yes yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so good and i think it's just such a lean movie too it it feels very much like something where it's just it's in and out 90 minutes it does its thing uh it kicks ass the entire time and then it's done yeah <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah the guy that plays the uh like death row inmate is amazing in this i don't remember the coolest i don't, I don't know his name but yeah he's just the coolest fucking guy uh and he just needs a smoke you know um yeah. <laughs> And yeah, just like big juicy squibs, lots of lots of explosions and shit. It's it's fun. It's good times. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's Assault on Precinct 13. Uh, both Mike and I watched that and uh, high recommend. It's very good. Also, we rewatched uh, Pulp Fiction while uh, we were together. Yeah. At the Roxy. The Roxy was showing it as part of the Cinema Springfield series, which 
which is the series that uh, the Roxy had going throughout July and August, uh, in which we were showing classic movies that were memorably parodied by The Simpsons. Yes. Uh, and that was the bit. There was also a special surprise after each movie, but we can't say what that is legally. Yes. Uh, but uh, we watched Pulp Fiction, and uh, I had we had never seen Pulp Fiction in a theater, I don't think, either of us, right? No, yeah, correct, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I, it had been a couple of years since I had watched it. I mean, I, I rewatched all the Tarantinos before Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out. Uh, so it had been like three years. But for you, it was like 10 years since you watched Pulp Fiction, right? Yeah, I think so. Or like, yeah, 2013-ish, somewhere in there, maybe 2012. Uh, yeah, so like 9, 10 years since I had seen that movie. So yeah. it was a fu- fun rewatch in a theater. That's very That was very cool. Yeah, um, sold out showing. It kind of like, it shows you, like, it reminds you how funny that movie is. Yeah. Uh, especially like hearing people laugh at like parts that you don't even like really think about in Pulp Fiction was, it was pretty great. Yeah, and just like, the thing that I think stood out to me the most in this was the lengths that, that it goes to show you the relationship between Bruce Willis's character and like his girlfriend or whatever like how like sweet they are until yeah he, until she forgets his watch and then he's like really abusive but right up before or until then like how sweet he is and how caring and like how like in love they are and like how perfect you want they must succeed in this right like I hope they survive and then Bruce Willis goes through the worst shit uh, in the movie uh <laughs> <laughs> All just to get back to his love, you know? Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, and I kind of felt that when I when I watched a couple years ago, uh, thinking that she was actually like one of the most underrated parts of the movie, like how good yeah. she is. And, yeah, like, she's, she's amazing. You know, her talking about like the pot belly and all that kind of stuff, it's great. I think her reading when uh, he gets back and he's covered in blood and he's like, oh, did you get your pancake? Did you get your blueberry pancake? He's like, no, they're out of blueberry. I got buttermilk. What happened to you? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're like the cutest part of the whole movie. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's it's very surprising how much like how like legible the film is, giving its like structure. Uh, right. You know, it's something I don't really remember, but it doesn't really feel confusing, which is crazy because it's in not any kind of order. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's kind of just, it's these intersecting stories, obviously. I mean, we're talking about a movie that basically everybody has seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody listening to this podcast has probably seen Pulp Fiction, I'm guessing. But uh, yeah, you know, it's these intersecting stories and uh, they're a little bit out of order, but kind of overlapping characters and that kind of thing. And so, yeah, when you watch the movie, I, I think when you watch the movie, especially there's there's like visual clues to kind of give you where the timeline is. And I think especially the fact that they're wearing different clothes yeah. um, when they show up uh, at like to yeah, add Marcellus, and you see Marcellus talking to Bruce Willis, and right uh, in that in that bar area. Yeah, uh, when they, when they're wearing different clothes, it like clues you in, like oh, this like some time has passed since you last saw these guys, uh, and then you get to see what happens in between that time, basically. <laughs> Yeah, it's just the coolest shit, you know? Yeah, great movie. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I kind of renewed my love for this movie. Like, I was watching it and being like, man, this movie's so, so good. Unfortunate about the actual scene with Tarantino in it. Oh, um, man, yeah. You know, that's that's you can feel, like, the air being let out of the theater at that moment, yeah. I felt like. Um, but otherwise, you know, it's, ba- it's it's like a basically perfect movie outside of that, I think. Yeah, that is the one thing. Like, I know I know it's supposed to be, like, this kind of, like, hard-boiled Pulp, pulp Fiction thing, you know? Right, yeah. Yeah. And like, I get it, but there's a lot of stuff that was like uncomfortable in 1990, whenever the fuck that came out and is doubly uncomfortable in 2022. Uh, just lots of language stuff being thrown around that you're like, yikes. Uh, t- two <laughs> minutes ago, we were having a lot of fun and laughs and now I'm just weird, uh, <laughs> which is unfortunate, but you know, so, such is 
such as the thing that happens with old movies, I guess. Yeah, exactly. But uh, so yeah, that's Pulp Fiction, 1994. It's great. Love it. And uh, yeah, we watched that and uh, then got to watch the special surprise at the end, which I can't say in the podcast, but it was nice to watch. Uh, what else are you watching, Mike? Um, I've also been watching, uh, I'll talk about this one, which is on HBO Max, which came out in 2020, and that is The Empty Man. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. One of my friends, I guess, on TikTok, followed some guy that does like movie recommendations and stuff uh and i guess now it's spooky season so he, this guy's been recommending spooky season stuff and he was like you want to watch the empty man it's a horror thing and i was like okay cool i knew nothing about it um <laughs> and yeah man this movie kind of fucking slaps it's the only negative is that it's two hours and 15 minutes okay but it like sort of earns it because this is a story uh it's very like stephen king like kind of thing where it's uh this the empty man is this like uh urban legend thing you know like the, that the high school kids tell each other it's kind of like Candyman sort of persona you know kind of thing and this private detective or this girl goes missing and her like family friend is a private detective so the mom's like can you try and find her and uh, he just like slowly descends into this like Scientology allegory. You know, it's a cult that's not Scientology, but they have right. the, it might as well be that like worships this empty man thing. But they like code it all in this like self help. Like an empty the empty man is like uh, the stand in for like your self doubt, and like they kind of cult like that's how they public facing explain the empty man but he kind of like spirals into this dark descent of like this weird worship of this entity and and uh so like the two and a half hour or two hours and 15 minutes feel it does feel long but it kind of is worth it for that slow descent slow burn like shit getting weirder and weirder and weirder as this guy who is normal <laughs> um slowly uncovers more and more secrets and who who's working for the this organization and who's not and all this crazy shit and on top of that it's also really really suspenseful and scary uh so that was real cool so yeah and i think it's leaving hbo max this month which is insane that like it right. leaves at the end of september so if you're in if you want to like get the get the wheels turning for your spooky season watching uh definitely recommend starting with the empty man because it's real cool nice yeah i uh, i had kind of been meaning to watch this for a while and kind of forgot about it um because this movie came out in theaters this was like uh an oh, only wow. in the- yeah this was uh but it was in 2020 yeah yeah, yeah so yeah. so it was like after you know once theaters had reopened but nobody was going <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah 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 it's one of those things for you know like it's disney like, put out new mutants and like you know that this kind of thing. yeah exactly uh and ten- i mean people some people did go to Tenet, but like that was like one of the only ones like people went, people yeah. went to. Yeah, the the Empty Man came out in theaters, and it was one of those things where it just kind of got dumped by the studio, and uh, it was kind of the hope that like people might come out to go see it. Who knows? And then nobody did. And then I think like two or three critics I follow like you know had watched it on a screener and said like actually this is like pretty good. This is like really solid. And so it kind of got put on my radar then, and then I think it got on VOD like shortly after its theatrical run, and people started watching it a little more, and so I had heard kind of good things about this but then just never got around to watching it so uh yeah it's leaving at the end of september so yeah now's the time i guess watch it watch the empty man watch the empty man yeah yeah i, I my friend rec- like saw it on tiktok or whatever and i did see a couple people tweeting about it like hey hey it's leaving uh in september like now's your chance kind of thing and it's like and it's worth it uh yep and and i would agree definitely worth nice all right so that's the empty man uh and that's an hbo max for the time being uh yeah. much much like everything on hbo max it's there for the time being <laughs> yes till till the powers that be decide it's not exactly but uh all right so that's the empty man and then i wanted to mention a couple of uh new releases as well uh, these are movies that came out this year uh first of which uh is a movie that came out 
like two weeks ago from director George Miller, director of the Mad Max series, and that is 3,000 Years of Longing, uh, which is a new movie starring uh, Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba, where Tilda Swinton plays this, uh, you know, scholarly, intellectual woman who is uh, going abroad for a conference. She uh, finds this lamp, she rubs it, and a genie comes out, and it's Idris Elba. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> uh, and, you know, you watch the trailer for this movie, and uh, I'm assuming you haven't seen the trailer for this, right, Mike? Correct. I have not. Okay. The trailer looks insane. I mean, the tra- you watch the trailer and it's it looks like it's like a wild movie. There's so much stuff happening all the time. And you watch the movie and it's much more laid back. Than, uh, <laughs> you know, I think the trailer is really trying to sell you on like, this is the guy who made Mad Max Fury Road, you know, like, yeah. and that's and that's the thing. Um, but really what the movie is, it's it's just Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba sitting in a room together and talking for like most of its runtime. Wow. <laughs> Uh, and it's and it's really about like Idris Elba kind of recounting his history as a genie over the course of the last 3000 years and the loves he's lost and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he's telling the story of the people that he's interacted with and the wishes they made and all that kind of stuff. And it's very much a movie about uh, storytelling. And it's a movie about like the importance of stories uh, in, you know, in terms of our popular consciousness and things like that. And uh, Idris Elba, especially, I think is terrific in this movie. Uh, Tilda Swinton's also very good. I really like this movie. I feel like it's uh, kind of dividing some people uh, in terms of uh, actual like, critical reviews and stuff, but I really enjoyed it. I think it's very good, and it's cool to see George Miller putting out like this new original thing, uh, which somebody pointed out online that George Miller's career, if you take away the Mad Max movies and you take away any movies with talking animals in them, <laughs> Yeah, uh, he has three movies like it's oh my out, God. outside of those. It's I believe it's uh, Witches of Eastwick, Lorenzo's Oil, and now 3000 Years of Life. Wow. <laughs> Which is a wild thing. Uh, and yeah, it's been seven years since he made Mad Max Fury Road. So it's been a while since there's been a new George Miller movie. So, uh, yeah, it's very good. I really enjoyed it. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've heard about this and it, it sort of makes me think of like Cloud Atlas just in like, you know, watching it, I kind of felt like it was similar to Cloud Atlas. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Just being like the power of story across generations and love yep. and like the human connection and spirit. And uh, as you know, Cloud Atlas, my favorite movie of the last decade. <laughs> absolutely. I do know that. Um, so yeah, I didn't, I don't mean that as like a bad thing or anything, but that was just like what it was making me think of. I was like, is it, is it the big true true? Is that what they're talking about in the movie? You know? <laughs> Maybe the greatest true true uh, was love, Mike. Uh, did you consider that? Um, well, yeah, three thousand years longing. I, I really liked it, and uh, I think if you're a George Miller fan, it'll whet your appetite uh, for the next thing because George Miller is currently uh, in the desert right now, shooting Furiosa, uh, nice. which is pretty fucking cool. Anya Taylor Joy playing Furiosa. Chris Hemsworth is in it. Uh, it's gonna be a wild time. But yeah, so watch that recently, and then also wanted to mention uh, another new release that I saw this past weekend, which is Emily the Criminal. Uh, which is the debut film from director John Patton Ford, starring Aubrey Plaza in the lead role. And uh, this movie has Aubrey Plaza playing this uh, girl named Emily. She's a criminal. Uh, oh. <laughs> but basically, she she like is working as like a, at a catering company, food service delivery, that kind of thing. She is deeply uh, in debt, you know, student loans, all that kind of stuff, and uh, turns to credit card fraud in order to start paying off her bills uh, and paying off her debts. And it's a movie very much about how debt is crippling America and, you know, ter- making forcing people to turn to these lives of crime and that kind of thing. Uh, Aubrey Plaza, incredible in it. Like, she's so, so good. Uh, and I think she's been, like, terrific in a lot of things over the last few years. Uh, she's, like, I mean, uh, I just recently watched Black Bear, which she was yeah. unbelievable in. So I recommend on that. Uh, I don't think she's as good in, in this as she is in Black Bear, but she's terrific in this. Uh, so uh, the, the story itself, it's, it almost feels 
like like a Safdie Brothers influence thing. Like it kind of feels like it's trying to be a little bit of uncut gems, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it feels like it's kind of like a, a pretty standard crime thriller with a really terrific performance at the center. I think Arby Plaza like really elevates the whole thing. And there's a surprise cameo from, or I'm, I'm going to say it was a surprise cameo because it wasn't advertised. I didn't know about it. Uh, and so I won't say who it is, but uh, somebody pops up at one point and I was like, hey, it's, it's her. I haven't seen her in a while. Oh, uh, so yeah, Emily the Criminal uh, is out right now. And uh, yeah, it's pretty good. That's cool. That just reminded me, uh, because I, I saw you liked my tweet recently about surprise Steven Root perf- uh, pop, popping up and stuff. Oh, yeah. He's in The Empty Man, He's right? in The Empty Man, yeah. Nice. Uh, when he shows up, I was like, fucking Steven Root? Like, what? <laughs> and he rocks. Yeah, I had that with uh, the tragedy of Macbeth. A surprise Steven Root appearance yeah. is always, always a good time. Yeah. Uh, or Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Remember he pops up in, Sp- in Buster Scruggs? That's right. <laughs> Man, good for Steven Root. Se- season four of The Complete Works. It's a Steven Root cast. <laughs> it's going to be 900 episodes long. <laughs> We're reviewing every episode of King of the Hill. (laughs) Every single one. Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, What else you can watch, Mike? Um, Speaking of new releases, I'll talk about The Gray Man, uh, which is on Netflix, the new uh, Russo Brothers movie. And yeah, this is, let's see, who's it? guy? Everybody's in this movie. Anna Armas, Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, Billy Bob Thornton. Love, love that. Billy Bob's nice. great in this, which is hilarious. And yeah, this is a spy action thriller thing. Uh, yesterday afternoon, my dad was like, can you help me sign into Netflix on the TV? I want to watch a movie. And then he wanted to watch Gray Man. And I was like, I guess I'll sit down on the couch and watch this with you. Because <laughs> this got fucking tanked uh, on like film Twitter uh, and stuff. Yes. I, and I think partially because uh, the Russo brothers are seen as like the evil empire of the, like, you know, <laughs> yeah, the corporate they're overlords. Seen, they're seen as like the great villains of film uh, at the moment. Moment, right there because yeah. they directed like you know the Avengers movies and like they worked for Marvel and stuff and now what's what's weird is that you know the, the Russos have had such a weird last couple of years I think because they made these like huge big theatrical experiences like the highest gross movie of all time and then they just made their next two movies on streaming they, yeah yeah <laughs> and they're making their next one on streaming too like it's just weird that, that that's kind of how it worked out I don't even know what their movies were before this I thought this was their next thing after the Avengers movie uh, I mean they they had made a couple of features uh, I think You Me and Dupree was their big one um <laughs> no i mean since since the avengers oh since the avengers yeah they, they had made before this there was a movie called cherry with tom holland oh um, yeah which was on apple tv and i've heard wasn't very good and I, I i was thinking about watching it and never got around to it and that was kind of the case of the gray man where uh, i kind of wanted to watch it i thought the trailer looked pretty good and then uh yeah kind of got destroyed by critics and i was like well I, I you know it's like two hours and 15 minutes or whatever it is like ah, i don't know if i have the time we'll see what happens but uh what do you think the gray man mike um it's fine you know, like, I don't know. All right. It's it's all right. Uh, it's g- cool. You know, it's it's spy shit. Ryan Gosling is great in it. He's Ryan Gosling. Uh, sure. I don't know if I believe him as like a full action star, though. Do, do you mean like, I, I feel like Gosling, I mean, you know, he has the nice guys, which is like an action comedy, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's Drive, but that's yeah. like. But not, a psychological action film, sort of, right? Right, but neither of those movies are like full spy James Bond style action shit okay uh, and, and that's what this is yeah that that that's what the gray man is kind of going for there's like you know they kind of like goof about like oh 007 and stuff and uh i think the really fun thing about this movie though is that chris evans is just playing his character from scott pilgrim well like, I, I you sold me i gotta go watch this. he's he's in a different movie like he is playing like a full sociopath like assassin guy who loves torturing people and i all i can picture is him with the eyebrows and the chin strap beard and stuff and he doesn't look like that at all in this but uh, it's basically what he's playing it's very funny does he get on the phone and say you're gonna hear two clicks the first is me hanging up the second one 
is me pulling the trigger. <laughs> like almost, like we're so close to that, um, which is hilarious. So yeah, I don't know. It's okay. I think Anna de, Gar- Anna de Armas is really good. Um, the a- actor that played Bugs in Matrix uh, Resurrections is in this too. And oh, okay, yes. They're uh, real cool. Je- Jessica something. Something, yeah. They're real good in it. Uh, Henwick, Jessica Henwick. Jessica um, Henwick, yep. Uh, so that's fun. But it just, it's just it's too much. It's just too much going on. It's too many twisty turnies, uh, you know, city city exploding action sequences and stuff. And it's just like, all right. And, it, you know, it's one of those things, too. Like, at, at never at one point do you feel that, like, Ryan Gosling's in danger at all, ever. You're just like, okay. he's going he's gonna to win, you know? So that's, it's just, you know, it's two and a half hours or whatever, two, two hours and 15 minutes of that. Um, so maybe, you know, for free on Netflix, kind of, if you got nothing else really going on and you just want to see some shit blow up. Like sure, um, I think that's the Netflix motto, isn't it? The, basically, yeah. You got nothing, you got else, nothing going else going on. on. Why don't you watch this? Yeah. Um, although I will highlight too, there's like a, a whole child in danger subplot kind of thing going on that uh, Ryan Gosling gets like l- l- roped into, like somebody gets kidnapped, and it just made me want to watch The Nice Guys because it made me realize like Ryan Gosling acting against like a snarky 14 year old girl is delightful. I don't really oh, understand yeah. why that works so well in both sure. of these movies. So yeah, I guess just watch the nice guys instead of the gray man is my review. Uh, the nice guy is also on Netflix right now. So uh, you really have no excuse. It's you got nothing else going on. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, at least that's like a perfect movie. That's great. Like the nice guys is so good. Um, but uh, yeah, so the gray man, I might still check it out at some point, but it's one of those things where I kind of felt like, Oh man, if I didn't, if I didn't catch it when everybody was talking about it like a month ago, I'm not sure if I'm going to get into it now. <laughs> yeah. Like it's fine. Yeah. It's not bad. It's just it's fine and it's long. So I was like, eh. <laughs> yeah. Know. Fair enough. All right. So that's the gray man. Uh, you have anything else on your list, Mike? Yes, I have a couple more things. Um, All right. One is the last matinee, which is a Blu-ray I bought from at the Vinegar Syndrome table from in Missoula when we were there. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yes, and this is a um, Spanish language slasher, I believe, from Argentina. And the the plot of this movie is it's 1993. It's this kind of like rundown movie theater. They're playing some trashy horror movie in the mat- in the matinee slot, and some guy in a poncho with uh, black gloves and a knife comes in, sits in the back row of the theater, uh, and slowly picks off people like Giallo slasher style during yeah. this movie. Um, and it just kind of follows. There's like eight people in the theater, you know, so nobody really notices as he's working his way down from the back row towards the front row, kind of thing. And who are like the teenagers that are high that are there, and like the couple that like is just there to make out and be handsy and stuff, and like all the weird old guy and just like all the people you'd see at like a weird matinee of a horror movie or whatever right um and the the girl who's just filling in in the projection booth that doesn't really know is like not paying attention so she doesn't see and uh it's fun you know it's just a little 90 minute like slasher kind of neon neo giallo thing going on there and it like is directly referencing all of these movies because it's a movie theater in the 90s so it's just like they got posters up everywhere in the room and all in all the hallways and in the, the projection booth and it just like is telling you like here's a Dario Argento poster and then they do like a thing from a Dario Argento movie uh, nice. so that like that's kind of fun and yeah this is also on Shutter, so you can watch it there too uh, cool. yeah and it's real cool it's just you know weird, weird slasher shit you know The Last nice. Matinee The Last Matinee Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray and available on Shutter. what else you got Mike? What else I got? Uh, I'll talk about Night Moves, which um, this is a movie that's Working on Working on my night moves. Surprisingly, doesn't have that song in it. Uh, this is incredibly upsetting to me. <laughs> I don't know at the time. This might have been, this is from 1975. I don't know when that song came out. I feel like it might have been 1975. It uh, feels like it'd be around there, yeah. Uh, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm trying to draw upon my classic rock radio station experience. Uh, 
It's definitely, definitely close. <laughs> Night Moves, the Bob Seger song, 1976. Ah, it just, just missed it. Just missed it. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I even read up on this movie a little bit. They even filmed they filmed it earlier, I think in like 72 or 4 or something, and then waited because... Uh, so this movie stars uh, Gene Hackman as a private detective. Say and, no more. I'm in. Like, I wait. <laughs> yeah. Like... Uh, Yes, uh, and he gets on a, a missing child case who's uh, Melanie Griffith is the, the missing kid. Okay. Um, and they waited two or three years because she's playing a 16-year-old. I think Melanie Griffin was 16 when they filmed it, and they waited until she was 18 to film the nude scenes that she has in it. Okay. Um, because So that's one of the things about this movie is that it is just like mean and nihilistic, and it's Gene sure. Hackman and all of his like barely held in violence that he uh, portrays <laughs> yeah. so well in all these movies. Yeah, and it's just like sleazy as hell. Where he's this private detective, and he gets hired by this mom to find her kid, and the mom is like a former Hollywood actress in the '40s, and and it's all about those like L.A. parents that are just like drunk and taking pills and don't really care about their kids, and the everyone's having sex with everybody, and like half of them are underage, and it's weird, and and it's people are cheating on each other and all this stuff and uh and then so gene hackman gets like the tip that she's in the girl is in uh key west so then it becomes like a florida crime movie uh where he goes there and gets roped into this whole thing and everybody's drunk and sun-kissed and uh, it's all that same shit um and just like what's the point of being alive kind of thing like right. post watergate you know vietnam war like all of that shit going on in the background but it's it's real fucking cool like i can't you can't deny gene hackman private detective hard drinking <sighs> It rocks, you know? Sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Night Moves. It's on HBO Max right now until uh, the powers that be decide it's not. Um, so <laughs> ch- check it out if you get the chance to watch uh, Night Moves. All right, Night Moves. And uh, do you have one more on your list, Mike? Uh, yeah, I did have one more thing I just wanted to mention that I rewatched uh, Poltergeist because Poltergeist fucking rocks. Yeah. Um, it's September. It's time to start watching scary movies more than I do normally. Sure. Um, and one of my friends mentioned that he had never seen it. And I was like, well, let's oh, we do it. fix that right now. We're going to fix yeah. that right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we actually doubled last matinee and then we were scrolling through movies and he's like, I never saw Poltergeist. I was like, let's go, baby. Um, man, perfect movie. Toby Hooper, Steven Spielberg. Amazing. Incredible. Yeah. Like, just incredible. Yeah, uh, so, so good. With the fake out ending, which Night Moves also has too, where you're like, oh, wow, this is great. And then there you're like, there's 15 more minutes of hell left. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're saying that Night Moves uh, also features a scene on an Indian burial ground? Is that uh, correct? Yeah, he that shakes somebody and says, you moved the headstones, but you left the bodies. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, love it. Love Poltergeist. Incredible, yeah. Uh, actually, my girlfriend also just watched Poltergeist uh, for the first time. Uh, oh. she, had never, she had never seen it. Uh, I, I was at work at the Roxy, and uh, I was closing up, and I called her uh, as I was leaving, and uh, she was like, oh, yeah, I'm just watching a movie. He's like, what are you watching? Like, Poltergeist? And it's like, what? And you're watching it without me? <laughs> like, <laughs> come on. And uh, I got home and uh, watched a little bit of Poltergeist. I, got, I came into the room towards the end, and it was the, uh, the part where the clown came alive yeah. uh, and took the kid under the bed, and it was ah, so good. So great. Perfect. There's so it's so fun watching Poltergeist. Uh, and I think I watched it like a year or two ago. But just like scenes, moments that are like in your brain forever. Oh yeah. But, but you don't remember when they happen in the movie anymore. Uh, yeah. So like when that happens with the the, the the clown comes to life, you're like yeah. So I definitely <laughs> thought it was earlier in the movie. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Poltergeist. I, Poltergeist may have been like the first real horror movie I ever watched. Um, it's it's possible. It's either this or Carrie. And I remember like being okay. scarred by both of them, but I don't remember in which order. Yeah. The thing is, Poltergeist is rated PG. Uh, so it's like no a kid. Way. So it's a kid friendly horror movie. Yeah. The guy only. <laughs> peels his face off you know exactly from the director of the texas chainsaw massacre 
Um, I definitely saw Poltergeist when it was like when I was like eight. I think my mom showed it to me. Nice. Um, which you know, most of my like uh, you know movie be movies being shown to me memories from when, I, from when I was a kid are usually like my dad showing me this movie that he loved or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and this is one that like I think it was just on TV. My mom was like, "Oh, Poltergeist. This is really good. Let's watch Poltergeist." And we all watched Poltergeist. And so Horrified. yeah, Poltergeist rules. It's uh, yeah, I, I was so into it, and I believe that is why I, I ended up gravitating towards horror movies. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, later in life because of Poltergeist. Amazing. So yeah, that's that's all my stuff. Do you have anything else, Mike? I got two more movies that uh, I wanted to bring up, Mike. Uh, the first of which is a movie from the 80s that I'd actually never seen before uh, and had wanted to for a long time. Like I'm a big Arnold Schwarzenegger fan and just never got around to this. And uh, this is 1982's Conan the Barbarian. Nice. Uh, which is directed by John Milius, uh, written by John Milius and Oliver Stone. Yeah, insane. Uh, which is wild. Uh, and it's like a couple of years before like Oliver Stone like made Platoon. You know, it's yeah. like, I think he was like right about to become a very successful director. But uh, yeah, and this was like Arnold Schwarzenegger's first real movie in the US, other than like Hercules in New York was like the <laughs> late 60s like attempt at it and it didn't really work. <laughs> well, he's right? got that non-speaking role in- uh, yes. What's that? The Long Goodbye? Oh, yes. Yeah. Where he's like a henchman or something. Yeah, has that too. Yeah, he pops up in a couple of things here and there. And then I think it was like Pumping Iron, the documentary, that kind of like made him a more well-known name internationally. And then Conan the Barbarian. Once you're making a movie like Conan the Barbarian, there's not that many people in this time that could have played this role. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And I think Arnold Schwarzenegger is probably like, it's one of those things where once you cast him, you're like, well, you can't see anybody else in this movie. And I think it's really interesting to watch it because you sort of see Schwarzenegger evolving into Schwarzenegger, I think, uh, watching it. Like when the movie first starts, he kind of feels like unsure of himself a little bit, which I think is, you know, kind of right for the character, for Conan, right? And then mm-hmm. I think as in the end of the movie, as Conan gains more confidence, Arnold Schwarzenegger seems to gain more confidence and, uh, you know, it all works out. But uh, yeah, it, it's really interesting to watch. And uh, I'm a, a big Schwarzenegger fan. I think I've seen like all the other Schwarzenegger, like the major Schwarzenegger stuff from the 80s and 90s. Um, but for some reason, I had never seen Conan or the sequel, Conan the Destroyer. But uh, Conan the Barbarian was playing at the Roxy Theater, the in theater in my house in Missoula, Montana, and they were doing a rowdy screening of it, uh, where theoretically the audience was supposed to go nuts and you know, go crazy for Conan. Audience wasn't super rowdy, honestly. I was a little, <laughs> disappo- I was a little disappointed by the rowdiness of the audience, <laughs> but uh, I had a good time watching it. I think there are stretches of it that are kind of boring, but I think Schwarzenegger's good in it, and I think there the sequences uh, in which there's some real action happening, uh, and James Earl Jones, unbelievable in this movie. Man, he's, he's a terrific scene, villain. Right? Yeah, he's so so good. I think you know towards the end when uh, you know he's finally he's monologuing at Conan, and Conan takes the sword and just takes his head off. It's it's terrific. So yeah, Conan the Barbarian, nice eighty two. Uh, really enjoyed that. Uh, have you seen, I mean, I, I, it seems like you've seen Conan, right, Mike? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, I had that like list of like fantasy movies that I was going through. Um, right. And you, I think you watched like Red Sonja and stuff like that. Yeah. Right? I watched Conan the Barbarian, Conan the Destroyer and Red Sonja, and, which I think they're remaking Red Sonja or something weird. Or so, I don't remember. Really? Anyway. Okay. Or make it a TV show. I don't know. There, there was a Conan remake a, a while back, if you remember that. I do uh, remember that. Jason yeah. Momoa played Conan the Barbarian. It was like right off of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, it was yeah. like years before Aquaman. It was like 2011. Right. Uh, so he like just got killed off of Game of Thrones. Conan the Barbarian was going to be like, Jason Momoa is here. And then it flopped and he disappeared for like five years. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, yeah, I forgot all about that. Um, but yeah, Conan the Barbarian is is awesome. It's real fun. Uh, yeah, James Earl Jones as Th- uh, Thulsa Dune or whatever his name is is amazing. And Sandal Bergman too is very good too. Uh, oh right, yeah. Um, who I think she plays Red Sonia if I remember correctly. Obviously not the same character, which is weird. But um, okay, or, or in this movie you mean? Yeah, like well that actor. Yeah, Sandal Bergman. Oh okay, okay, gotcha. I, I, I'm pretty sure no, isn't it uh, Brigitte is it- Nielsen in Red Sonia? I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Sandal Bergman is in Red Sonja, though. Is she? But not as the same character. I think I'm looking it up right now, Mike. This is info that we need to know. We need to know uh, the continuity of the barbarian, of the Conan universe. Um, yes. Uh, you are you are right, Mike. Uh, so Br- Brigitte Nielsen plays uh, Red Sonia. Schwarzenegger is in it, um, playing a different character. Uh, He's Lord- like in disguise. Is okay, the, gotcha. Yeah. Lord Kalidor. Uh and then Sandal Bergman is playing Queen Gedrin of Berkubane in Red Sonia. There it is. Rolls right off the tongue. Yeah, how could I forget? Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Conan Conan's great. Uh, the other one's not so good, but they're fun. Um, it'd be fun to watch this uh, Conan the Barbarian and. I forgot the name. That's you're not gonna know it. The movie Don Coscarelli directed Beastmaster. There we go. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it'd be fun to watch them like together because they're kind of the same type of deal. Just some good old you know sword and sorcery kind of movies. They they knew how to make movies back then, you know. <laughs> sure. Uh, yes, that's Conan the Barbarian, 1982. And then also uh, this past weekend at the Roxy uh, in the Roxy Garden, uh, they were showing genuinely one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, and this is from 1990, Joe Dante. Uh, Gremlins 2, The New Batch. Nice. <laughs> um, which, uh, have you have you seen Gremlins 2, Mike? I have definitely seen it, uh, but it has been a decade and a half probably since I've okay. seen either of these movies, Gremlins 1 or 2. So oh, I really? Yeah, I've been meaning to like rewatch them. But Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe like Christmas we can do like a Mike Makes Mike watch of Gre- the Gremlins uh, double feature or whatever. But yeah, uh, yeah uh, both Gremlins that were like, the, the first one especially was a huge like, deal. Like that was, I think probably shortly after I watched Poltergeist, I think I watched Gremlins. Like it was around that same time for sure mm-hmm. uh and uh, i remember with the first gremlins like i had friends over to watch it like it was like me and like a couple of other eight-year-olds and yeah. like, sleep over at my house and we all watched gremlins and ordered pizza and it, it was genuinely like it's a scary movie when you're eight like Gre- gremlins is a pretty intense scary movie yeah. uh when you're eight years old and uh you know it's obviously a horror comedy there's very funny bits in gremlins uh gremlins 2 kind of gets rid of all the horror stuff i mean there is horror stuff in it but gremlins 2 is a live action uh looney tunes cartoon essentially <laughs> it is. It's funny that Joe Dante would go on to make <laughs> Looney Tunes back in action. <laughs> that one, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of Joe Dante's whole deal, right? He's so influenced by uh, Looney Tunes and sci-fi films, and he like he really merges them together in Gremlins Two: The New Batch. Uh, this is truly, I think, one of the most insane movies ever made. And I was talking to somebody at the Roxy, uh, a frequent uh, film goer at the Roxy, who I was like working there and like got to hang out and watch the movie. But uh, somebody who like comes up to the Roxy all the time, I was like talking to him a little bit. I was like, hey, have you seen this? And he's like, no, I haven't, uh, but I'm excited to see it. I love the first one. Uh, and, and I was like, yeah, imagine if the first one was like 100% more insane and you have kind of an idea of what Gremlins 2 is. And he's like, oh, so it's like Home Alone 2? And I was like, well, no, nah, I mean, not like Home Alone 2. And it's like, well, do they go to New York or something? And I was like, well, actually, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, they do. <laughs> they do indeed. So maybe they a little do. bit like Homeland 2. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a little bit. But uh, yeah, the plot of Gremlins 2 is that it's a few years later and we're in New York City. There is a Donald Trump stand-in uh, who's there. Like they're, the entire thing takes place in like a stand-in for Trump Tower. Uh, yeah. And it's like kind of satirizing the public image of Donald Trump in 1990, which is so weird that 
like that's how it is now. <laughs> yeah. Know? But Zach Galligan and Phoebe Cates come back and they're, they are living in New York City now. They have like a small apartment together and uh, they both work in this Trump Tower-esque building and the gremlins get loose in this building because <laughs> because Gizmo ends up uh, being experimented on by like the mad scientists who operate on one of the floors, one of which is Christopher Lee. What? Uh, yeah, Christopher Lee is, is like the mad scientist and, uh, you know, he's there and, you know, the, Grem- the, the Mogwai gets wet. All the gremlins start multiplying and then they start taking over uh this building this trump tower analog <laughs> and uh it's just a wild time it's so cartoony it's so weird tony randall plays the brainy gremlin like the, there's a gremlin who speaks who is yeah. just tony randall's voice and it's it's just unbelievable mike it's such a great movie <laughs> i gotta yeah i gotta rewatch these it's been too long yeah the movie literally opens with uh like the warner brothers logo pops up and it's like the looney tunes theme um, really yeah and like bugs bunny and daffy duck come out and like do like a fourth wall breaking thing uh and then the movie starts. Incredible. <laughs> and so it like sets the tone for what Gremlins 2 is immediately. The Hulk Hogan cameo is uh, incredible. I'm sure you remember that. That's like one of the most memorable parts of the movie, I think. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Gremlins 2. Uh, a delight, a delight. Yeah, I'm glad it holds up. Yeah, it, it's it's really, truly terrific. And I think like about on par with the first one, which is also like one of my favorites too. Uh, just Joe Dante, one of my favorites. Uh, and and also as a fun like aside too, this movie is the movie he made right after The Burbs. And and there's a couple of people from The Burbs that like pop up in this. Mm-hmm. Um, Rick Ducumman, who is like Tom Hanks' buddy in The Burbs, uh, he pops up as like a security card. And the guy whose house they're invading in The Burbs, he pops up at like on a security camera at one point. And it's like, hey, it's, it's the people. That's uh, fun. Which you've seen The Burbs, right? I actually have not. What? Put it on the list, what? baby. Mike, what? <laughs> I know. You got the poster over your shoulder right now. I, I actually do. You're right. I love the Burbs. It's one of my favorites. It's uh, <laughs> I've been saying they're all one of my favorites, but... You know, honestly, I think The Burbs might be my favorite Joe Dante movie. And then Gremlins and Gremlins 2 are like tied for a second. They're both very close. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's just one of those ones that I've, you know, I'll get to it eventually kind of things. And here sure. we are. I'm 30 and I've never seen The Burbs, you know? What, what a waste of a life. But <laughs> I've seen so The Gray Man, so cross that <laughs> off the list. <laughs> Nice. All right. So that's Gremlins 2, the new batch. And uh, that, I believe, brings us to the end of this week's episode, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. We talked we talked about a lot and it's only been a week since we were together watching movies together. So <laughs> Exactly. Uh, and I'm sure we'll have more to talk about next week because that's the idea of this podcast. Correct. Uh, so, Mike, where can we find you online this week? You can find me at MD Film Blog on Twitter and Letterboxd. And if you'd like to donate to support the show, you could do that at our Kofi page, which is Kofi.com slash Mike and Mike Pods, plural, because we have two podcasts. Yep. You can find me online at M Smith Film Blog on Twitter, Mike Smith Film and Letterboxd, Radio Mike Sandwich on Instagram. Thanks so much for listening to Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. I'm Mike Smith. That's my decree show. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any other podcast app. And if you want to contact us, you can tweet at us at Mike and Mike Pod. You can find the rest of our podcast on Rapture Press. Along Alongside many other podcasts, but all kinds of comic books and movie news and all that good stuff. Next week, we'll be doing something. (laughs) We're back at this game again. (laughs) Uh, I think because of the, uh, you know, our little vacation thing last week and, you know, we did all this kind of stuff this week. Yeah, we just haven't had time to figure out what the plan is, but there will be a plan uh, and we'll figure that out shortly. (laughs) Correct. Uh, But in the meantime... If you want uh, more Mike and Mike content, some juicy podcast stuff, The Complete Works is back for season three. And this week, we just released episode two about Michelle Yeoh's cameo appearance in 1985's Twinkle Twinkle Lucky Stars. Yeah, maybe a not so hot movie, but Michelle Yeoh is pretty good in that one scene. Michelle Yeoh is good in that one scene, and it has some pretty incredible Jackie Chan action uh, sequences. True, true. You got that going for it, too. Uh, So, yeah, listen to that. And that is the end of this week's episode of Mike and Mike Go to the Movies. We'll see you on the other side. We'll be right back.